Welcome to the Culture of Things podcast with Brendan Rogers. This is a podcast where we talk all things culture, leadership and teamwork across business and sport. Welcome everyone to the Culture of Things podcast recap with Brendan Rogers as your host. You would recognize Brendan from, from our, um, our episodes over the past year. You don't get to see me very often. I'm the guy behind the scenes doing the recording and the engineering and helping Brendan sometimes with some of the ideas and the, and the content that we're discussing. And um, Brendan and I were having a chat on, geez, it must have been, when was that when we first thought about this idea of doing a recap? Oh, four or five days ago. No, I think it was longer than that. Was it? <laughs> yeah, I think oh, when we first started talking about a recap. Yeah, oh, that was quite a while ago. Yeah, yeah, I think we were probably were looking at. I think it was probably late November, early December. You were just looking at finishing up a couple more of the episodes. We had a brain fart and thought, let's do this. Let's just do this. Yeah. <laughs> but the idea behind this is obviously, like, you know, I was more interested in doing this with you because. I'm the guy listening to all of these podcasts, editing them afterwards, and sometimes I think, geez, there's some really cool ideas that you're getting, especially with the key takeaways. And, you know, when you have a key takeaway and you actually explain to people what you think is a a valuable idea that they should use possibly in their life, it could be in their business life, their personal life, uh, in their family life, it seemed to me that it would be a good idea to kind of recover some of those ideas, look at them. And, and we should probably say too, we did discuss this. These weren't necessarily the top ideas, right? Like this is, we're not trying to say that some are better than others, but these are just ones that stood out. Mm. And primarily, like what was your biggest reason for choosing the ones that you did? I think really the context of the past year, how we've grown and developed as a podcast, mm. uh, how our listenership has grown and developed, and therefore also relating that to leadership and culture teamwork. But these right. these wrap-ups are specially focused on leaders right. and giving them some actionable bites that they can continue their own develop yeah. through the future. Yeah, because it's interesting when you think about how we, we've gone through a crazy year. Mm. You and I started planning doing a lot of these recordings in my home studio and then, unfortunately, we couldn't really do that anymore because we couldn't be in person for most of the time, which changed the nature of what we were recording and what you were probably planning too. Mm. But in the end, the fact of the matter is, is that we know that the year coming, people are going to need ideas that are going to help them think in terms of those key takeaways, those key ideas, you know, those leadership ideas, because uh, we need a lot of we need a lot of good leaders, don't we? Absolutely. Right now, yeah. Why don't we get into this? Because I'm really curious to know what you uh, what you've selected. So I'll read through the ones here, uh, and maybe you can tell me what your thoughts are on each one of them. And would you rather we start with, there was three that you wanted to include, but we didn't do, put them in the top 10 necessarily because, not because they weren't great, because they're great, but more because they they were worthy of mention, Mm. right? They certainly are. Let's let's keep people in suspension. You want to keep them in? We'll we'll give a few of the, uh, maybe three (laughs) of the ones that we... You know, we included in the the ten that we you know pulled together. Because bearing in mind there were twenty seven episodes we did in twenty twenty one, and every episode has three takeaways. So you do the maths, eighty one key takeaways we had. Every single one of those is important, yeah. but we wanted to nail it down to ten that you could work on over the course of the next year. 
So let's start with the top. And I believe you put these in chronological order. Is that correct? I certainly did. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So that we show absolutely no favoritism here on the culture of things (laughs) podcast. Uh, It's an equitable society that we live in. Yeah, absolutely. So the first of the time, (laughs) the first one, um, the art of self mastery, RJ Singh leaders focus on the art of self mastery. Tell me what your thoughts are on why you selected that. Well, the art of self-mastery, it's, it's really about focusing on improving yourself, isn't right. it? Self-mastery. And my old mate, RJ Singh, you know, he's, uh, he's moved from the sunny central coast down to Victoria and Melbourne. Why you do that, I have no idea, but he's done that. And yeah, he lives and breathes self-mastery. You know, he's all about improving himself, bettering himself. And as a leader, if you don't have that as a foundational piece in your mindset, always thinking about being better of yourself, then, you know, what really gives you the right to lead teams mm. and help teams become better if you're not focused on being better yourself? Um, that to me was such an important point. And as I said, such a foundation for leaders. And it just happens to be, as you said before, you know, we've chosen these and we're just going through them in chronological order, but what a timely first one. It is. You know, underpins every single thing that leaders should be focused on. Yeah. Develop yourself, improving yourself, the art of self-mastery. That's great. And, um, you know, having met RJ and knowing how um, enthusiastic he is about, you know, personal development, like he really does live and breathe it, doesn't he? Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. Very cool. Yeah. And I think it's important too, Mark, that I'm not sure if we'll do it for each one of the, the 10, mm. but, you know, just throwing out a, an actual item attached to that. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah. So I think that improving yourself can be such a small thing. Mm-hmm. It can be a bigger thing. You know, I encourage leaders to start small, particularly if you are developing your mindset about self-improvement and the art of self-mastery. It could be something something as, you know, I'm going to be committed to attending meetings on time, you mm-hmm. know, turning up on time, because that's really about leading yourself, improving yourself. And, you know, little things like that. Um, it might be something else about, you know, creating better relationships. So every single day, I'm just going to be a little bit more deliberate about spending maybe five minutes with a person and getting to know them a little bit better and strengthening those relationships. That's improving yourself and it can make a massive difference. So it doesn't have to be a big step. Those little steps compounded make a big difference. Absolutely. It's interesting too, considering that, you know, right now, I think there's a lot, we're, we're having to be a lot more lenient in terms of, you know, people being on time, but at the same time, focusing on it even more is not a bad point. It's a, it's a very good, very good thing to think about. We're going to move on to the next one. This one's from Kate Purcell's interview, which was how to overcome the fear of public speaking. And I believe she's someone you, um, you know personally and, and have for some time. How did you meet her? So Kate is our wonderful president of Brisbane Breakfast Toastmasters Club. Very cool. We meet at East Gosford, second Saturday and last Saturday of the month. Feel free to attend anyone on the Central Coast. (laughs) (laughs) But she's the president. And, yeah, I just love Kate's story. You know, I... I was so happy when she agreed to be on the podcast because I wasn't sure that she would. Yeah. I know that you know her journey in Toastmasters started from a very, can I say, a low level respectfully. Sure. She was crapping herself. And she tells a story in the podcast about, you know, just even parking in the car park, getting out the car and she could sort of still pull out, still pull out and, right. and she made it. And yeah, within a couple of years, I think she's been involved a couple of years, maybe a little more, you know, she put a hand up to be the president. Nice. And just the growth of her alone is just leadership quality. Fabulous. Um, and this is why I was so keen to have her on the podcast and yeah. talking about sort of overcoming the fear of pub- public speaking. 
that really leads in well with the key takeaway that you positioned for her, which was leaders lead with vulnerability. So in, in some respects, I feel like you've already answered that, but what else can you add in terms of that whole idea of that word vulnerability? Look, it's no secret. I mean, Brene Brown made this famous that you know, vulnerability is what creates trust. You know, Brene Brown, Patrick Lencioni, there's a number of them, Simon Sinek, mm-hmm. but that vulnerability, sort of opening yourself up for criticism, mm-hmm. opening yourself up for feedback, putting yourself out there on a limb. There's probably no better stage to do that than putting yourself out into a public speaking arena when it's your sort of immortal fear, um, for some scarier than shark attacks. Yeah. So, yeah, being vulnerable putting yourself out there as leaders, we need to do that. Mm. If you do that, and if you have the courage to be vulnerable, that puts people at ease, surprisingly, and it helps build connection. And we all know building connection is a helpful tool for building trust. Couldn't agree with you more. And Kate I've... is exceptional at that. Oh, yeah. It's it's fascinating when when you actually share something personal of yourself, you know, you know sort of that, to go back to that key takeaway in, in, in a- application. I've personally found that when I share something personal, mm. that probably feels a bit risky, you know, to, to share uh, with someone. Usually, most people will reciprocate and share a little Absolutely. bit more about themselves. Absolutely. And so if you're looking to build relationship on, on things that really matter and that you can really have an impact and help people with, it's, it's one of those things. There's nothing like being a bit risque, is yeah, there? Yeah, <laughs> I guess there isn't. It's a good, good way to put it. <laughs> Let's move on to the next one over here. Um, before oh, before you we want move to go on? on again. Okay. Before we move on, an action. Okay. So again, mm-hmm. what I encourage leaders to do is start small. Put yourself forward about being vulnerable. Mm-hmm. It might just be a, hey, I'm sorry to someone who you've had a, a run-in with or you've made a mistake. Or it might be in a meeting and saying to your team, I'm not sure what we should do next. Let's work on this together. I've seen leaders in rooms do this mm-hmm. and it's just like the atmosphere and the it just changes completely in a really positive way. So I encourage people listening to this, leading with vulnerability, just put yourself out there. Put yourself out there. Hey, it, it might be just sharing a weakness that you have. Mm-hmm. You know what, Mark? I'm no good at setting up audio and crap. You're much better at this than me. So I'll just sit back and relax whilst you do it. <laughs> it was fantastic. <laughs> and, you, and you make a good, uh, a good, um, good grip, as they call it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I spent five minutes kipping in the chair. <laughs> Catching a few winks. That's right. Yeah. Cool. Oh, Jesus, it's great having a producer. <laughs> it's it's so much. It is. You're absolutely right. It's it's it is easier to team up you know, in that way. Absolutely. Next one I've got over here is how to create magic at work with Amy Lynn Durham. Mm. And the key takeaway you had for her was leaders connect with people. What were your thoughts around that one? Why, why did you select that? Yeah, well, Amy, Amy's our first on the list from overseas. So in, in the US, mm-hmm. our first two were, uh, were Aussies, although RJ's uh, American native, isn't he? He's, mm. he's natively from America, but I think a citizen now. So look, leaders connect with people. I really enjoyed this episode with Amy. Yeah. Uh, to be fair, I've enjoy, I enjoy every single episode, you know, 27 episodes, 81 key takeaways. That's 27 fantastic guests. Each one of those brings something to the table. But connecting with people, that that is also leadership. Leaders connect with people. In order to connect with people, you need to invest time in people. Mm-hmm. Investing time in people creates relationships mm-hmm. with people and they're the connections we're talking about. Mm-hmm. So it's it's just, it's always amazing to me that when leaders have a relationship, a good, strong professional relationship and are connected with their team and individuals in their team, they can screw up from time to time and their team doesn't crucify them. 
When, when they don't have that connection and that relationship, they've only got to, you know, do something minor yeah. and, and it doesn't turn out well. And the team sort of, you know, they may not be giving them feedback, unfortunately, because they don't have that connection. But, you know, they're, they're sort of jabbering behind the back and sure. it's, just, it's just unhealthy for teams. It's dysfunctional and erodes team performance and the, the high-performing teams we're looking for. So mm -hmm. connecting with people, again, spending time investing in people is super important, investing time in developing those connections and relationships. Absolutely. And it goes back to that self-mastery, you know, and one of the actions I said earlier on, on point one, the art of self-mastery and improving yourself. Maybe one of those things is just spending that five minutes each day mm -hmm. with a person in your team and not, hey, have you done this, have you done that? Just building a relationship asking them how their weekend is, being interested in them as a person. Yeah. That's the sort of stuff that builds connection. And Amy was super strong, super powerful on that. Yeah. And to be fair, it came right through the episode, that, yeah. that deep meaning of connection. Absolutely. You know what you're reminding me of, and this is actually going to lead me into one of the other interviews of which was not one of the, the, the ones that you selected, but it still was one of the great interviews you did, the one with um, Karen and Matt. Um, if you recall, do you remember her motto that she goes by? Hope. Help yep. one person every day. It really leads into that same kind of concept, doesn't it? So we're going to... It, Sorry, Kaz, I didn't get the tattoo ready for uh, this episode, but maybe next time. Yeah, so and with that, uh, you know, I, I'd like to bring up the, the key takeaway that you had from Karen that you did consider bringing into this conversation, which was the leaders face challenges head on. What made you want to make sure that that had a special mention? It's the longest podcast I've ever done, two yeah. and a half hours, and I was stuffed after it. The emotion in the conversation, that was the second episode that we did in the home studio, yeah, yeah. and the it didn't seem like two and a half hours. No. It was just a fantastic conversation. Episode 53 from, yeah, episode yeah. 53, yeah. the story of my broken soldier. So Kaz and Matt, um, Matt is the broken soldier, as Kaz calls him, and it's, it's just such a great story. Mm -hmm. And- to think, you know, the book's there, you've done the, you know, help them produce the audio book, mm -hmm. reading that, listening to that, they just face challenge after challenge after challenge. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they could have easily run away from that stuff. And mm -hmm. even now I get emotional about it. Sure. It's such a powerful story. And them just, they just ooze leadership, you know, sure facing did. those challenges head on, yeah. personal challenges, you know, family challenges, you know, sort of, you know, a couple of kids or, or at least one of their kids they don't see um, yeah. very often at all now. And, you know, but they've got a strong nucleus now with the, with the other three children. They're just beautiful people and they just, they just live and breathe challenge. And to be frank, I don't know how they do it, but they do. Mm -hmm. They get up every day and they fight a good fight for not only for them, but for so many veterans uh, in Australia and beyond the Absolutely. shores of Australia. Yeah. It's an amazing story. It's a story that really does need to go international. It needs a worldwide attention. It really does. So I'm yeah. really glad to hear that you brought them in. Absolutely. The next one I want to bring in here is, uh, came from your interview with Norman Wolf. So the culture of, li of the living organization. Now, leaders must understand and work with context. What was that particular key takeaway all about it's a little bit cryptic this one isn't it like yeah. leaders must understand and work with context so you know one of the things norman said in his episode was culture is the organization's personality and to me that leads into this takeaway context mm. because 
personality sometimes is contextual. Our personalities change in different situations. Mm -hmm. And as far as leaders, this, this is to me fundamentally why I just believe there's no one book. You know, God knows there's thousands, hundreds of thousands, maybe books around leadership. Absolutely. Uh, now, a lot of them say similar things, but the context of the situation is what creates the variation. Absolutely. You, know, yeah. you can read something and think, how do I apply this? And you know what? I'm going to apply it in a situation with a, a challenge with a person and having a certain conversation. Mm -hmm. But their mindset could be context A one day yeah. and then context B the next day. Yeah. And you can get two completely different results mm -hmm. based on that context. On, on that context. Absolutely. Which to me, why I, in this wrap-up, I just couldn't leave out. Context is super important yeah. and it's the it's the thing that makes the difference yeah. and why there's so many great leadership books out there yeah. and not one of them is a is an ultimate playbook because context changes everything absolutely you know you, you really you can talk to someone who's you know in retail mm. or you can talk to someone who's maybe in the insurance industry or or in manufacturing and that context will have an impact as to how you communicate. There's a certain amount of the understanding of the local lingo, there's a circumstance. All of these things have an impact as to making sure that you get the message across effectively. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I'll give a short, ex you know, a brief example, but this has just happened to me today. I'm having a conversation with a leader and there's been some challenges with a, a chap sort of pre-Christmas mm -hmm. and what they weren't quite sure it was a little bit out of character mm -hmm. and what they actually found out was that you know there were some health issues in the family mm. and that was really impacting his mindset now you know there were a number of conversations had and and that obviously the chat wasn't feeling safe enough to to sort of bring that out but he, ha he has brought it out eventually mm. and that just put everything that had happened into a different context right. didn't excuse some of the behavior that had happened right but it put it in a context that gave it some understanding and gave some sense to it, mm. which mean they can work within that mm. and they can, you know, arrange or, or adjust their conversations around mm. that context. But the conversations without that context were very different. A bit of context changes the situation Absolutely. and in this case changes it for the better. Very cool. You know, that's something that really does... It's one thing that res resonates with me because I've seen that difference having worked in multiple different industries in the past too, so... So very good. I think it just happens every day. It does. You know, context is changing every single day, every single minute. You now know, people can come out before lunch. They come in and they've, they've got a call after lunch, and the whole world's changed. Exactly. It's, you know, context is different. That's right. You know, we're living in an exponential growth world, so. aren't we? Next one I've got over here: the culture of remote working with Bretton Putter. Leaders have full control over the culture. What can you tell us about that key takeaway? I'm not sure I need to say any more. <laughs> <laughs> Almost. I mean, they have full control. And, you know, there's a great book, Extreme Ownership, Jocko Willink, and yeah. I can't remember the second mm -hmm. uh, author now, but it's about extreme ownership, like the title of that book says. You know, yeah. Breton doesn't refer to that in the, in the book, but leaders have complete control over the culture. Mm -hmm. So, you know, how the leader acts is what will resonate through the organisation. Right. Now... If they see something in their leadership team, for example, they always need to look at themselves and say, well, what, what have I done that has enabled that behavior? Now, that might be good. It doesn't always have to be bad. It, it could be really good stuff and think, okay, what did I do there? Mm -hmm. Or what have I done in the past that's really putting that behavior or making people in the leadership team feel that that's, that's yeah. a great behavior, you know, aligning yeah. with the values? Big tick. Conversely, you know, maybe there's some behaviors that aren't quite 
you know, they're not quite happy about. Okay, so what am I what am I doing as the ultimate leader that's having an impact on that? Mm-hmm. Now, doesn't mean I'm doing things deliberately. Sometimes maybe. A lot of the times it's it's there's a lack of awareness. You know, mm-hmm. self-awareness is an important thing, but sometimes there's a lack of awareness about a certain way that we may react in certain situations or behave under certain conditions and behaviors under pressure, I like to call it, mm-hmm. that you know, people interpret a certain way and they'll then act a certain way. So to me, that's really about the, the action that leaders need to take away is that you have complete control over the culture. And if you honestly believe that and say that in the mirror enough times to make sure you do believe it, yeah. then the whole world can change for you because you can control stuff that you do. You can't control stuff that other people do, but you can build some influence and improve yourself back to self-mastery mm-hmm. and believe that you have complete control. Yeah, absolutely. And you lead the way. Makes me think that this is a good place to enter in with what Tom Lawrence's key mm. takeaway that you want to make a, a special mention for also mm. that leaders embrace simple. Okay. So that's is that that's a you know a way of implementing that, mm. right? Mm. What, what can you share Tom, about that? Fantastic guy. You know, a, a, an Englishman from the northern part of England, Liverpool, who I just may say so myself, he's a Liverpool supporter. <laughs> so it makes him a fantastic guy, not just a good guy. He's a fantastic <laughs> dude. Right. Um, he's doing great things as well. You know, he's a, a book that the podcast was about that we, we talked through. Yeah. You know, he's a number of e-books out there, YouTube channel himself. It's about keeping things simple. Mm-hmm. You know, I've always believed, and Tom, I can't remember his exact words, mm. but it was really about people who aren't leading make the simple complicated. And the great leaders make the complicated simple because those leaders that are, you know, maybe fake leaders or, or sort of trying to be note, you know, big note themselves, sure. they're about making themselves look good. So they want to try and complicate things because they're putting themselves in this, you know, arena of, hey, I, I know and, you know, maybe you don't or I'm better than you yeah. sort of mentality, which is not leadership at all. So just the, the art of, you know, maybe taking on some complicated stuff, but being able to simplify that in a way that, everyone can get it. And if you can do that through messaging, then it makes a a fundamental difference. It's not about how smart you are. Mm. It's how well you, again, connect with people and make things simple. Makes me think about people who know how to do magic tricks, Mm. right? Isn't there a relationship to the, there's a simple, the simplest. Simple magic. Because why? Because they understand, they may have a lot of complex things going on in the background Mm. that they understand, but they know how to make something really Magical. Absolutely. Right? Great analogy. Yeah. I mean, there's beauty in simple, isn't there? There is. Absolutely. Absolutely elegant. Yeah. yeah, very cool. Let's go on to another one. So Michael Thwaite, you interviewed him, and I know you're, you know, being, we're going from football to football to some degree. There's a lot yeah, of that. Know, what, what's, there's a theme in here. What is that about? I don't know. I've got favoritism for football people, I suppose. But. Yeah. <laughs> so that particular interview, Values, Leadership in Football, was the, the actual title. Mm. But the, the key takeaway you, you, you chose was leaders know what they stand for. Tell me more about that. Yeah. Well, leaders do know what they stand for. And in, even in the work that I do, there's so many leaders that I start with actually don't really know what they stand for. So they sort of do, but they don't. They find it very difficult to articulate what they stand for. You know, what what are these uncompromising values that that I have? And they come through in my decision-making. They come through in how I behave. They come through in how I'm leading people, some more directly than others. So leaders know what they stand for. It's really about 
and, and Thwaiti was fantastic. He's he's actually the first person, and it was episode fifty-two, mm. the first person on the podcast mm. that I knew specifically, at least in twenty twenty-one, that knew what he stood for, mm. and he had the ABCs. I wish I could remember what the ABCs were, to be right, honest. Yeah. But it was simple, elegant, and that's what he lived by. Mm-hmm. He knew what he stood for, came through in his all of his decisions, came through in how he acted, came through in how he trained, came through in how he played football, came in came through in how he captained his football teams. Mm-hmm. You know, just taking time to know what you stand for, articulate that, super important. Mm-hmm. Super important. Because it's again a foundational piece mm-hmm. of your leadership journey and being a great leader. And when people know what you stand for, there's no surprises. They know what you value as a leader and they can live up to that far more easily and make decisions to live up to that. If they don't know what you stand for, then the world's a bit of a murky place. Absolutely. The water's pretty grey. Makes me think in terms of how, what I'm, one of the things I've uncovered, that what mm. people who do know what they stand for, you usually tend to find, in my view, that they present that by what they will not accept as bad behavior. What they mm. usually there's usually something happens where they they have to put their foot down, mm. so to speak. You know, they mm. you know they may they may see something a behavior that's going on that mm. that just isn't in keeping with the standards that they believe are really appropriate for the yeah. circumstance. Yeah. But that's a really interesting point because that mm. you know you can't do that unless you know in advance you know exactly what you Absolutely. do stand for. Absolutely. So, and what I'll, what we'll do actually for as part of the episode, so we'll put the, I'll put a link to my, what I call 10 commandments, mm-hmm. my leadership, what do I stand for and how I, I lead teams and, and act every day with my clients. We'll put that into the link below. People can download it and they can get a good example of a living, breathing document of what I stand for personally as a leader. We have to wrap this up with a couple more of these wonderful key takeaways. The next one that I'd like to bring up, it was an interesting interview, uh, the one you did with David Bacon, who I've gotten to know a little bit more uh, since then um, with a little bit of other work that we've, we've done with him. But your key takeaway with him, and this well, was another on. one Do you those. remember what you did to me that day? What? No, I don't remember. You don't? I don't. What did I do? First episode. What, what was that? studio. Yes. Turned up. Yes. And you said, oh, by the way, we're live streaming this today. Oh, that's right. <laughs> That's right. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I'd give it a go because we could. You know, it's yeah. sort of the technology was there, and uh, you know, so sometimes Why you not? actually have to Who say needs preparation. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the difference was is that quite simply, um, it was a matter of adding a key to the to the to the system and and just recording it mm. at the same time as we were broadcasting. So this over here, I could still edit. And um, I, I was pretty pleased with the way that that went. I don't know about you, but it was a great Well, just quietly, David, yeah. who was the guest, has had media training. I think he was crapping himself more than me. <laughs> was he? <laughs> <laughs> At least from what he told me after the really? interview. Really? <laughs> oh, my. Had no idea. Put so much pressure on people. Absolutely, mate. Oh, I yeah, feel, he's now he's I feel, getting old. He's in his 70s. <laughs> speaking to one of your other points, you're getting into my vulnerabilities now a little bit. <laughs> The key takeaway you had with with him was leaders build for after they're gone. I thought that was a really interesting one. Tell me what your thoughts were around why you chose that. Yeah, I probably could have put it a little bit more succinctly, but yeah, leaders build for after they're gone. And it's really succession planning Mm -hmm. in a nutshell. And and again, like David's a, a very interesting guy, as you alluded to. He's He's had all sorts of experiences in his life, you know, 
Canberra Press Gallery, uh, was sort of global media advisor for British American Tobacco, just, you know, all sorts of situations he's been off, off the back of this experience. But he's involved in Rotary, has been involved in Rotary for a very long time. Mm-hmm. And I've been to some of the meetings. And one of the things I learned about Rotary, and David spoke a little bit about this, is that the president-elect, so the, the president that will be the president once the current president has served his year, right. they already know who that president-elect will be. So they spend time working with each other. And to me, that was, it's such a simple thing, but just the succession planning, the, you know, building for after they're gone. So David was the president for that year. He already knew who the next president was going to be and they worked side by side. So, you know, it, just fantastic example in a voluntary, voluntary organization of some of the stuff that can happen. Why don't we do that more in organizations. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, you, you put up a person, but you've got to have that mentality. Like, who's going to replace me? You know, because everyone's replaceable, right? Who's going to, who in my team actually might be looking to develop themselves into, you know, whatever the next role might be. That might be a, a role that involves leading people. It may not. It might be some other advancement that they're after, but that's the sort of thinking that you need to have. Because, you know, that great book, Jim to, um, Good to Great by Jim Collins, mm-hmm. you know, really fundamentally, that book is about organisations that have su- succeeded long after these level five leaders put things in place to have that growth. And that's what it's about. Yeah. Succession planning, build for when you're not there, for after you've gone. Exactly. You so know, important. There's some really good examples of the, you know, the big tech world that, where they've done that successfully. Like what comes to mind is what the likes of Microsoft have gone through Mm. some big changes. Mm. Even Apple with what they've done, you know, what Tim Cook's been able to do. Mm. Like, you know, how do you step into the shoes of the likes of jobs? That's Mm. like, you know, Mm. so being able to build a business that actually has that kind of philosophy mm. attached to it is, um, is, is, is really, really an important factor. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Moving on, the next one, I actually really enjoyed this interview just because I liked his spirit, but Rex Buckingham. <laughs> He's you know, a wise old fellow, isn't he? he? Yeah, you know, a real, real character, and I really enjoyed his style. Mm. And the uh, key takeaway that you had from this interview that was called Command and Con- uh, Control Leadership was leaders believe in your potential. Tell me your thoughts on that. Yeah, episode 59, leaders believe in your potential. At the end of the day, a big part of leadership is about coaching. And if you don't believe someone can be better than what they are today and improve in a role, improve as a person, this is making some assumptions that the person does have a mindset of improvement, back to that art of self-mastery. But you must believe in people's potential. Your job as a leader is to help encourage that potential, bring the best out of them, you know, help them achieve their best self, whatever that best self looks like. So, and Rex... Yeah, as I said, he, he's a wise old fellow. He's been around for a long time. He's seen all sorts of situations mm-hmm. and has some great analogies yep. in the episode as well. <laughs> but you know, that fundamental belief of just believing in people's potential. Yes. And how did he get that core belief? Because back when he was, I think he said it was 17, 18, yeah. and he got a job at Woolies and there was someone that believed in his potential. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and, and I think he said he, he could have gone off the rails here and there, but this person believed in him as a person, believed he can be more than what he was sort of demonstrating, and that just stuck with him forever. And he's it's almost like he's paid that forward through his journey in, in leadership and, and having his own consultancy business and also written a book as well. You know, really believing in people's potential yeah. is is what he's crafted through his journey. And he's helped so many, so many people because he believed yeah. in them. 
it resounded with for me too to some degree simply because of the fact that as you know you know i have a background in in retail from many years ago mm. and i was the what i believe was the youngest manager as a retailer for radio shack mm. at the time in the country and you know that took people believing in me and that was actually quite a you know I was quite surprised that I got selected, but at the same time, those are things that when you, you know, the people who are the leaders of the company that were mm. promoting me, I had a lot of surprise respect for them that I didn't even know. It's like, oh my goodness, mm. now you have to step into those shoes mm. and perform. So you get to learn more about yourself as a result too. So it's a great way to learn. How good does it feel? Yeah. And that's the feelings you remember. Absolutely. Well, you Absolutely. don't remember the other bits and pieces, but just yeah. how people made you feel because yeah. they believed in you. Absolutely. It is it's massive. Yeah. It's, it's massive. It gives so you true. chills down your spine. Yeah, it does. Mm. Now, getting into our, our last few over here. This was, again. Last uh, few or couple. Last you couple. There's two. There's two. But, there's a, <laughs> but we're going to have a little. I think there's I know in some, Canada you might call two a few. I don't know. Yeah, but. we do. We're, we're <laughs> probably not that good. It's like, I'll start, you know, side note. <laughs> When somebody says to me midday, I actually thought it meant somewhere in the middle of the day, like somewhere in the middle as opposed to specifically yeah, midday, yeah. you know? Typical Canuck. We make your, your English is getting better. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the next one, the importance of listening skills with Oscar Trimboli. Mm. Leaders build a listening culture. Oscar, true professional, understands his, his subject matter incredibly well. Mm. And you pick that one. And obviously, I'm not surprised that you picked that one because of the word culture, culture of things, mm. and how that blends in. But tell me more about why you selected it. One of the key things in, in this episode, and something that Oscar mentioned, was that we there's this narrative around speech-giving leadership, he called it, and it just it resonated so much. Like, it's you know you see these great orators of the world, and, and they're held up as leaders and stuff like that. And again, I'm not saying they, they're not great listeners, but you know, it, it's almost like you know, glorified mm. that we, you know, great leaders just get up and speak and all that, and everyone else is doing the listen. When actually, you know, in the real world, it's it's actually the other way. You know, mm. the best leaders build a listening culture. Mm. And back to one of our earlier points mm. about, you know, having full control, leaders having full control of the culture. Mm. Well, if you spend more time listening than speaking to people, listening to people is important, then others will follow that as well. Your own leadership team, if you're the CEO of an organization and you're asking more questions and you're digging in, mining for conflict and listening to people's answers in your leadership team, people will see that in your team and they'll start to do that with their own teams. And you know, Oscar, it was a really challenging interview for me because actually I, I, in some parts I wasn't sure if I was being interviewed or he, you know, yeah. I was interviewing Oscar. Um, and, you know, we, he, he'd yeah. said that, Brent, I'm yeah. going to ask you yeah. questions. And it was really, yeah. it was challenging. It was a fantastic interview mm. from, from my side. And, and he took me through a journey mm. of that listening. Again, I, I can't remember the, the point we started on where we got to specifically. But, again, go back to episode mm. 64 and, and check it out. Mm. But where I started and, and some of the some of the answers I gave him and then just a few and tell me a bit more about that and what what do you what did you think about that scenario and why is that the case just some real basic questions thrown in he listened to me and he was he almost knew at the start because he's such an experienced guy that there was something underneath what I'd initially said and it only took another two or three questions to get to it but then he was at the root reason as to why I was you know talking about something whatever it was but that listening culture yeah. and if you build that you actually you're uncovering the real problem absolutely or the real thing that someone's feeling mm -hmm. and when you do that 
Mm. Well, haven't you got a better chance of solving it or, or working with the person because you're getting to the root cause, not just sort of, you know, sitting with the Band-Aid there, leaving the Band-Aid on and, and thinking you can solve the Band-Aid. And then you scratch your head a couple of weeks later or a couple of months later and think, oh, I thought we'd solve that. But yeah. We didn't yeah. spend time listening and building that listening culture. It's interesting because, it, you know, it ties really, for me, when I heard him speak about this and I heard you give your original key takeaway, the thing that came to my mind was the habit number five from Stephen Covey's mm. Seven Habits, which is seek first to understand, then to be understood, mm. and how that relates back to that same listening culture. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. You know, great. Again, it wasn't, it was in one of the, the takeaways and we didn't choose it for this particular rap, but mm. leaders take time to understand. I think the reason I think we had it on our list originally, and then we thought, well, listening culture. Well, in order to build a listening culture, you have to take time to understand. So they sort of corresponded with each other. So you know, taking time to understand, seek to understand. If you do that, you're well on your way to help building a listening culture. I want to return back to one of the other ones that just because it's it's on the list over here, and it was it was one of the earlier ones again, Brett and Putter, because you and because I think it it ties into this whole culture idea, which is delegation is even more critical in remote working environments. And the reason why I wanted to bring that one up is more because of the fact that in remote working environments, the way in which people listen to each other is very different because you because of the use of technology nowadays. Mm-hmm. And now, you know, we're, yes, we are using Zoom or other related type of technologies, but it's not something that people are completely still accustomed to. What were your thoughts on why you selected that one as one of the ones you wanted to give a special mention to. Mm. Yeah, it was It was one of those, it's a sign of the times, right? And it, it's such a common conversation that I've had over the last 18 months, two years during this sort of COVID pandemic that things happen, some leaders, actually a lot of real leaders that I've worked with started to realise that there were some things that they were doing mm-hmm. just by chance of being in the same location of people that it worked well. Mm-hmm. But then... When you're not in the same location, you need to be much more deliberate about stuff. And that deliberacy came through around particularly the art of delegation Mm -hmm. because, you know, delegating, be really clear. You know, one of the keys of delegating is being being clear on on what the problem is and what we're trying to achieve, but be a bit looser around the how that's going to happen. You know, hopefully you've got trust in your team and they're, they're good team members because you've helped develop them as, as great team members. But you need to leave people some latitude to decide how they're going to go through things. So, you know, get really tight on that mm. how or, or, or on the what, sorry. Mm-hmm. Get really tight on the what what needs to be achieved mm-hmm. and then be loose on the on the how. And be tight around the timeframes, you know, sure. when things have got some time constraints on them so that people are really clear on what's needed. Yeah. And that's the art of delegation. And as I said... A fair chunk of that where people were not really clear on the art of delegation and what's critical around delegating, things just happen by chance. You could walk into the, the person's office and say, oh, what about this, what about that, or whatever, or when, did, when is this due again? But when you're not in the same location, mm-hmm. you need to be a bit deliberate about it, yeah. set those times, and be really fundamental about how you do it. That's why the art of delegation or the um, delegation is even more critical in remote working environments. It's like you got to double down on it. That's right. Absolutely. And it's interesting because it's also a challenge, especially a challenge for managers who are typically micromanagers, right? Mm. Where they now they just simply cannot continue to behave that same way. Absolutely. Yeah. Or they spend 
their eight, nine hour day or whatever on Zoom, checking yeah. up on everyone and they'll get none of their none of their stuff done either, which is just not feasible. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So let's wrap this up. We're down to our last one. Um, yeah, wow. Jeez, so, it's gone quick. Yeah. Amazing, isn't it? The last one, interesting again, but no surprise, it's ending on a somewhat of a football theme once again. What is this? There's, there's. How could, how could we not? Hey, <laughs> right? I mean, Mark Birras Birigidi. Yeah, Mark Birras Birigidi. Yeah, the tanned man yeah. down at Terrigal every morning. Yeah, eating his smashed avocado. <laughs> I mean, he's what a what a top guy. Yeah, yeah, lovely, yeah. lovely guy. And 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 it was a, a fabulous interview. And you did pull on an awful lot of really fascinating analogies from his role in football that could be applied to just about anything in life, mm. not just business, but, you know, mm. even in family and so forth. Yeah. Um, but the, the key takeaway that, that you, you chose was leaders have a team-first mentality. Mm. Tell me more about that. Yeah, easy, easy to, to say, I guess, in, you know, he's a professional sportsman, a, a footballer. So, you know, if you didn't have a team-first mentality, you probably wouldn't survive too well in professional team sport, right? Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. you know, applying this to, to leadership, not only on the sporting field or pitch or whatever, but in the, in the boardroom, the best leaders are making decisions that put the team first. Mm-hmm. It's having that team-first mindset Mm. and sometimes that might be detrimental to you know the leader as an individual but you need to you need to always put the team first Mm -hmm. yeah beer has told a i guess in in some respects a fantastic story about team first where you know he'd had a a pretty severe facial injury and and i think it was a knee or something and you know he was out of action or supposed to be out of action for 16 weeks, I think it was, was yeah. the doctor's yeah. diagnosis yeah. and, you know, operation and sort of yeah. jaw back in place, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And the guy was back playing in four weeks. Yeah. Now, there was a little bit of you know, sort of luck involved in that, but I think the story he told was basically, it was episode 65 for, mm-hmm. for people to go to, but the gaffer, the coach, mm-hmm. just, you know, Beerus saw himself on the on the game sheet and he's like, going, he's like, what's going on? I'm not supposed to play for 16 weeks. And, you know, the gaffer said, do you feel right? Yeah, I feel fine. I've been training and stuff and I feel fine. It's like, well, you know, you're in. Can you play? Yeah, yeah, I can play. And, he, you know, he's a bit younger, maybe a bit bit dumber. Yeah. I don't know. He's, you know, the, the age and the experience, he's like, you know, sure. didn't have a wife and kid and kids yeah. at the time as well. So he's only worrying about himself. But the team needed him. The team wanted him. He's the number one keeper. And, you know, he, he said he got hit the, you know, early in the game because obviously the, you know, the league knew about it, opposing players knew about it and they gave him a bit of a touch up and, but he felt fine, gave him the confidence and he just played on from there and, and continued playing. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's a, you know, putting your, your own self in physical harm's way, mm-hmm. which was a real reality for him, for the sake of the team. I mean, that's, that's pretty courageous, isn't it? So, it is, yeah. yeah if more leaders thought more about the team, the impact on the team, and always making decisions with that team-first mentality, then quite frankly, workplaces would be a much better place. Yeah. Makes me think about, it's you know, Winston Churchill, I know, was one of those people who was often mentioned as being, he would have almost rather been on the battlefield with mm-hmm. it just because of that same kind of, of being, really wanting to care about the team. Mm-hmm. It's very much the same idea. So, yeah, very cool. Yeah, well, I mean, the ultimate decisions that he had to make during wartime and, you know, put uh, put Britain first, you know, that's a pretty big team. <laughs> Huge team. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, we've covered a grand total of 10 of your key takeaways and a few special mentions, which are, is there anything else you'd like to add before we close this up? I reckon there's one more. Okay, there wow, is one a bonus. More. 
Call it the bonus. The bonus round. The Brendan bonus. Hit the buzzer. You got the bonus round. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I couldn't, although we didn't sort of pick something from the takeaways in the in the top, in the, not the top 10, but in the 10 that we wanted sure. to choose around this and, you know, the impactful, episode 63 with, with my old mate from school, Michael Crutcher. Right. You know, great guy, um, former editor of the Courier Mail in, in Brisbane, you know, Queensland's largest newspaper. Mm-hmm. Got his own business now, 55 comms, been involved in that for a long time. And podcast, got a podcast as well called Sourced, right. a fantastic podcast. They do a weekly wrap. And he talked about leaders never compromising on people. Mm-hmm. And the context of that was in relation to North's Rugby League football mm-hmm. club in Brisbane, who coincidentally, I think the the week before we interviewed, won the grand final. Wow. And that was a, a rebuilding of that club over several years. And Michael had been involved for a number of those years. And for the last 12, 18 months, I think he, that's the time that he became president. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you know, they, they had some you know various situations that you, as you do in other organizations. And this happened to be a rugby league organization where you know sometimes the, the wrong people are are on board, you know, they're not aligned with the, the values. And, you know, he was very clear on we just, if, if we find people that aren't right for our club and they don't have that team mentality, then we don't compromise on that. Mm. You know, we, we have conversations with them and they align with what we're about and what we're looking to build, or they don't. And if they don't, we move them on. So, and I, I really, again, I encourage leaders to think seriously about that. Mm. You know, going back to context as well, I know I've been in the situation where, you know, the context is that, you know, there might be a person there that, you know, we need to move on sooner rather than later mm-hmm. or may have been even resigned from an organisation that we should move, you know, let them finish early but, you know, oh, we don't want to put pressure on the team or there's no one else that can do this role and stuff, you know, which raises a whole heap of other issues. But just never compromise on people. If they're not the right people for the organisation, it doesn't mean they're bad people, mm-hmm. but if they're not aligned with the values of the organisation, they're not good for the organisation. They're not good for the team. Yeah. It has a detrimental impact. Just don't do it. Don't compromise on it. It reminds me of uh, one of my philosophies in my years of management is I also did want to help people find their new next best calling. Absolutely. You know, open themselves up to the market. You help them absolutely. be open to the market. It's not, it's, it's sometimes just not, it's just not a good fit and that's okay. You got to be all right with that. Mm. So it's a good, it's a good place to end this on because really, if you think about it, we're dealing with, and, and I know that there was some, one of your other interviews, which we're not going to get into because you know, we've covered an awful lot. Mm. Having, you know, the, the, the great resignation has been taking place. You know, there's um, a lot of talk about that. People are making a lot of changes as a result of what's happened over the past two years. They're mm. asking themselves a lot of questions about what is important to them. And as as we go through that, what I'm hopeful for is that the key takeaways that you've chosen, that it gives people the opportunity to reflect, to think about what they might do ever so slightly differently. Little nudges is fine, wouldn't you agree? It just doesn't take sometimes a whole lot Absolutely. of change to make a big impact over time. Mm. And that, that this will actually, uh, apply very well to their future. And with that in mind, I want to say I'm really looking forward to what we got coming up for this coming year. Absolutely. Going to be a big year, mate. Yeah. I, you know, we've got already two or three of these interviews already lined up, ready to go without getting into too many details, just because obviously timing can really change. We understand. Mm. Uh, so won't make any announcements right now about what that is, but I'm thinking it's going to be a great year lot more key takeaways. Mm. And I'd also like to ask everyone who's watching right now, if you have any 
ideas about things that you'd like to have Brendan talk about, make sure that you reach out to us. Put some comments in in the in in the notes or in the, and let us know. Email us. Let us know what you'd like to hear about in terms of the interviews, the kinds of people. The more we understand how you benefit from this content, the more we can work towards creating an ever better growing of the culture of things absolutely we love feedback yeah yeah give us feedback feedback is say we love if you like what we're doing yeah tell us if you don't love what we're doing or you think there's some things we can do to improve then tell us as well and we'll uh, we're certainly looking at we we should give one thing away we we do have we do have a chat we're not going to name the chat but we've got a guy coming on probably be released in a a number of weeks after this episode four or five weeks but he's got a million plus youtube subscribers right so we're going to talk to him in some depth about how he's built that business with his brother yeah and the culture of youtube that's right and uh yeah it's it's going to be some exciting stuff he's a he's a good guy yeah absolutely guy by the name of justin brown i think that's his name yeah 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 (laughs) absolutely so uh how's that for uh in a really, really intelligent guy who's who's built a, a fabulous channel and understands essentially what's ha- what's working nowadays in getting a message across. Absolutely, absolutely. Going back to that last takeaway or the yeah. the last bonus point because we've given ten takeaways sure. plus four bonus, right? So we've right. given fourteen all up. But yeah, the the thing that underpins everything that we've spoken about today is conversation, and we finish it. We use the phrase always in the Culture of Things podcast as we finish is the best outcome is on the other side of a genuine conversation. That's what we've had today. We've spoken generally about some of these takeaways. You know, the 27 fantastic guests, we haven't named them all Mm -hmm. today, but we value, we appreciate every single one of them because Mm -hmm. the genuine conversation we've been able to have have those people have on our show has been awesome. Mm And it's created an opportunity for the content today, That's right. um, which has been the best outcome. Mm-hmm. So always remember, the best outcome is on the other side of a genuine conversation. Pleasure. Thanks, buddy. Thank you, everyone. Make sure you don't forget to also, as they say, click that little button and subscribe. Which, which way know, is it again? Do, which It's kind of like, it's one of it's those. It's down here somewhere. Down yeah, you might even be up you, here. You can, I don't know. Yeah, you'll find it. <laughs> Thanks, everyone. See you, guys. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to the Culture of Things podcast with Brendan Rogers. Please visit brendanrogers.com.au to access the show notes. If you love the Culture of Things podcast, please subscribe, rate and give a review on Apple Podcasts. And remember, a healthy culture is your competitive advantage.